This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Greg Ng. He's a longtime friend and the CEO of Brooks Bell. They're a digital agency based here in the Triangle of North Carolina. And on today's podcast, we're talking all about the pandemic, the impact on people, and how to truly build a people-first organization. The cool thing about Greg is that as a CEO, he has all kinds of opportunities to really make and change policy. And he's been thinking a lot about how to bring people together in this weird hybrid environment. He's written about it on LinkedIn, and that's what prompted me to invite him on today's show. So if you're interested in creative ways to get people to collaborate, new ways to think about working from home, and what it's like to just manage and navigate through this crazy time, we'll sit back and enjoy this conversation with Greg Ng on this week's Punk Rock HR. Hey, Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, so good. Listen, it's been a decade or more since I've seen you in real life and we live in the same dang area. What is up with that? It's crazy. It's crazy. But you know, that's the power of social media and it's the power of shared connections. So I feel like we have been in the same room, but I feel like I still know you. Well, you know, at some point we must have crossed like at the Shake Shack or at the mall or something and we just didn't notice one another. This town is too small. So for those people out there who don't know who the heck you are, even though I'm fangirling all over you, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? Sure. My name is Greg Ng. I'm the CEO of Brooks Bell. We are a consultancy here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am a lifelong learner, dad, traveler, amateur photographer, and I just love being a part of a great community here in North Carolina and hopefully inspiring others to do what I believe is a very important thing, which is to make a positive impact in the world. So that's what I live for. Well, all of that I can say firsthand is true. We met through the community, a community of marketers, which is that really your primary domain? Would you call yourself a marketer? I would call myself a marketer. I believe marketing is really in everyone. I'm a designer. I'm a content creator. I'm a marketer. I'm a business person. But we're really all, in my opinion, in the business of understanding each other and understanding better ways to communicate. So for that reason, yes, marketer. Well, in this community of creative professionals, right, of entrepreneurs, of just free spirits, we connected through volunteerism. You were very passionate about Movember. Can you tell everybody what that is? Yeah. Movember is a great cause that concentrates on men's health. It was an organization that was started many, many years ago. And um, when we first met, I was trying to kick off the local community here in the Raleigh-Durham area. The key is men grow facial hair in the month of <laughs> November to raise well, they awareness. Try. 
They try. They try. I'm one of those people that tried. Super awkward looking, but awkward for a reason. It's a great topic starter and one that's important to raise awareness for health reasons. Well, you know, back then I barely knew you and you were like, come on, let's do this telethon, right? Join me for an hour. I'm going to live stream it to all six people who were on the internet back then, right? You know, and we're going to talk about frozen food and we're just going to have a really good time for an hour. When I think about you, Greg, I think about volunteerism. Have you always been involved in not-for-profits or, you know, community endeavors like that? Was that something that you've done throughout your life or is this like a recent adult thing? Certainly things I've done my entire life. I believe in giving what you can, how you can to anyone. It's not necessarily per se to a specific organization or cause. And I believe that that has, you know, over the years manifested into very specific things like with Movember, with our local food bank, with a lot of other great organizations. So I would say yes, but I would also say we're never finished. So maybe I have a history of it. I'm constantly looking for other ways to give back either on a one-on-one level or to an organization? Well, I asked this question because I want to talk about the pandemic. And for someone like you who is so involved in the community, who leads an organization, who has a big job, who is just involved with your children as well, we hit March of 2020 and shit shuts down. So you're new to your job five months in and you're trying to figure out how to deal with your fam, right? And make sure they're safe and keep yourself safe. Meanwhile, you've got a business to run, an organization to lead, people to inspire. You've got to clear a path so people can do their jobs basically as a CEO, right? What was that like? Uh, scary. <laughs> scary again. Scary again. I felt that there were a lot of knowns and there were a lot of unknowns. The knowns for us is that we had a great team with great momentum who collaborated well. The unknowns was how do we continue to collaborate? How do we ensure that our team is taken care of? We made a decision early on, one, to be very transparent with what we know and what we don't know. Two, to be very decisive in terms of policy, if you will, to make sure that our team felt supported. As an aside, I feel like a lot of companies say throwaway lines of saying that they're people first. Inevitably, they're not. They're profit first. And we are both. I don't believe that it's people over profit, and I don't believe it's profit over people. I believe that being empathetic, taking care of your people, leads to profit. Those are conjoined. And so really early on, we made the decision very specifically to be employee first. And what did that mean? It meant like when you have an employee who has to be a full-time mom, teacher, and team member, how can we best provide there? Yeah, so what'd you do? We created a fully flexible work schedule. So we kind of doubled down on saying, look, we're not clock watchers. We're not a nine to five shop. You are here because you add a valuable piece to our team. Let us understand what you need. We'll work together of what the team needs and let's figure it out together. So that's where we started. So did you lose anybody in those early days? Because there are stories from my friends in leadership and human resources where particularly working moms, but not just working moms, caregivers, parents of all kinds just said, I can't. Even with the flexibility you're offering, I just can't. I need to opt out. So did you lose anybody at your organization for that reason? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We lost a ton of people, actually, for many reasons. If you look back all the way from March 2020 to now, we've lost employees for a lot of different reasons, some because of the unknown. 
and the stress and the hassle and the mental health and the the current demands of our existing clients with less resources because it was then harder to hire back. We lost in what many call the great resignation. I saw more correctly stated as the great reevaluation. Yeah, or just the great swap where people are swapping out one job for another, right? And nothing changes in their lives. Yeah, and I view that as a great opportunity. I don't believe in permanent <laughs> switches. <laughs> I don't believe in when someone leaves a job that's forever. It may be forever, but I believe in really how do we address people at a human level and so i wish them the best i support them the most that i can and i hope that they find the right place and in some cases maybe the right place they'll decide is to come back and join us so we've seen the whole gamut yeah have you had any boomerang employees at this point who have left and come back because there are so many anecdotal stories out there of people going oh snap i left this job i thought i was gonna get something else Turns out I didn't get it and I miss my old colleagues. I miss my friends and what I really needed was a break and maybe a raise. So have you had anybody come back? You know, I'm a boomerang myself, right? So, you know, certainly I'm of the mindset that those boomerang relationships can be great if under the right circumstances. We just hired a person back uh, who did not leave us during the pandemic, but was a former employee from many, many years back. The answer is yes, not necessarily those who have left us in the last couple of years. Well, as we're starting to evolve in this world of work, right? We're getting out of 2000, out of 2021 into 2022. It's interesting because companies are now, many companies are now itching to get the workforce back as if they were on some sort of extended vacation. And now it's time for the real work to get started, right? So 2022 is all about return to office and kind of like return to 2019, if you ask me. So what are you doing at Brooks Bell? Like, are you getting everybody back together, getting the band back together in the office? That's an interesting question because I do believe, yes, we are getting the band back together, but not nearly like what I think a lot of people portray or say as return to office. Our return to office policy is that there is no return to office policy forever for a number of reasons. Let's start with a more personal reason. For the rest of my life, what happened during 2020, 21, early 22, continuing, will make its mark on the way I am as a human being. I can't just forget the last two years and say, let's go back to 2019. And companies shouldn't either. When I talk to other leaders who talk about their return to office policy, if I really ask the question more times than they want me to ask, the real answer is they have a lease they can't get out of. They have a justification that they need to make that there are butts in the seat. 100%. And they have a lease with a friend who owns the commercial real estate, right? That's often the case. That to me is so frustrating. On top of that, those executives are still working from home themselves many times. It drives me crazy, Greg. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it's horrible. Let's call it for what it is. Those decisions are come from a place of distrust and rooted strictly on bottom line. Here's the reality. We're paying our lease. We're paying for empty cubes and seats. We just renewed our lease, by the way. And the reason why is because I believe that there is a reason to have a physical space for people to gather. I also believe that we can be very efficient, collaborative, and build a new type of culture with team members that are in person together 
and not in person together. So what's the case for keeping the lease and keeping the space if there's no official return to office policy? I get what you're saying. Your philosophy is we're going to figure it out. We can collaborate. We can you know, figure out this hybrid post-COVID work environment together. But why hang on to the real estate? Hanging on to the real estate because it still feels like home. Hanging on to the real estate because let's acknowledge that there are people who draw energy from being with others and there are people that don't. So for the same reason why we wouldn't move all hybrid is the same reason why we wouldn't say everyone come into the office. So I don't know what the future will bring after this next lease renewal comes up, whether we will be in the same space or not. But what I do know for sure is we will have a space to meet. I enjoy my flexibility as much as others do, but I also really, really over-romanticize the idea of five days a week seeing people walking down the hall, chit-chatting with them. But I also acknowledge that I have teammates that don't. (laughs) They don't want that. And so how can I continue to promote balance, a healthy relationship with our colleagues and our friends and family and ourselves, while also then saying, here is my dictate to how you work? It doesn't match. No, it certainly doesn't. And I love the evolution that you've had as a CEO from someone who is new in the role and really wanting to make that connection to understanding that connections can come in a variety of ways. And, you know, one of the reasons why I asked you to join me on the podcast today is because I read on LinkedIn that you're taking an approach to really create a community of collaboration, right? You're encouraging people to get together. And I don't want to steal your thunder and your really great idea. Why don't you tell us about it? Sure. Before 2020, we had one remote employee. Oh, God. That poor employee, by the way, was probably like, what the hell? (laughs) Think of me sometimes, right? Exactly. And here's the thing. He was a remote employee because he used to live here and work here in our office. And he decided for life reasons to move to a different location. And we say, you're great. We want you still here. So we made all these exceptions for him to work remotely. And we did a horrible job of it. He stayed because he is a great person and he loved what we did and he had that connection. He has since moved on to a great job that he loves and that's great for him. But now we have almost a third of our team remote. And that's not even including those that live in the Raleigh-Durham area that could go to the office. They're in different states. So I went through a whole kind of uh, thought process of, well, how can we make them feel a part of our culture? And I incorrectly thought it was about the office space, and it really isn't. It's about the people trusting, believing in each other, seeing each other, going deeper than just a how is your weekend precursor to a status meeting. Yeah, or deeper than a staff happy hour, which drove me crazy during COVID. I can't tell you how many times people were saying, well, my company wants us to get us together for a happy hour. And what about the people who don't drink? What about the people who have stuff to do, right? Are they not to be included because they have to educate their children during the happy hour? So I'm glad you were thinking beyond that superficial. So where did you end up? So where we ended up is we made a commitment to our team. We started it this year because quite frankly, in 2019, there were still some concerns about people traveling, both individually and me as representing our leadership. But we've made a commitment to fly all of our remote employees and bring in all our team together quarterly. We did our first one in February. We did our Q2 one just a couple weeks ago. It is completely optional. If someone feels like they want to participate remotely, they can. If they feel like they don't want to fly or travel, even if they live down the street from our office, 
Totally can. We're spending more time on magnet activities instead Wait, of mandatory. That? So magnet instead of mandatory. Magnet activities are activities that attract people to want to come and participate, knowing full well that it's optional, than to say you must come. So that's the first thing. Flying everyone quarterly to meet as a team. And there's many different layers to that too. There are absolutely very important meetings and information that we're sharing together, but there's also time to socialize and not just do work, but just exist and form bonds. You know, the idea of flying in employees on a quarterly basis is awesome, but a lot of companies hear that and think, I don't have the money for that, or there's no way, or that kind of planning is going to take away from business operations because you're not just creating an experience for people in the room. You've got to be thoughtful around people who are joining you virtually, almost creating two experiences. And that sounds expensive from both a currency perspective and a time perspective. So did your team have concerns about that? I mean, are you budgeting for that now differently? because that is a huge organizational investment. Guess what? It is expensive from a time and a money standpoint, and it's worth it. We do budget for it. We've budgeted for every quarter. We budget it when we hire a new employee because it matters. Because again, we say we are a people first company. And I can't stand it when people say they're people first and everything they do and act upon is anything but being people first. It is the most important thing we can do is to invest in our team because we're nothing without them. And we are a professional services organization. Time is money. But guess what? It's reaping benefits. There's a feeling of just tremendous camaraderie and momentum and trust. And we are not even close to being finished. We absolutely have problems that we still sort through. But it starts with just a belief structure that we want to do great work together. That's why. Would we get better bonuses, better profit? Absolutely. And in its place, we would have less trust. We might have someone who lives in some random state that doesn't feel a part of anything. So item number two that you're focused on, I mean, you're bringing everybody together, but you've gone a step beyond that. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So that's great to bring everyone together. Love it love seeing everyone, love building those bonds. But work also takes other shapes and forms. And so how do you then reconcile when you have a remote employee that has someone maybe that reports to them in a different state or a special project with a client or groups of teams from different states that need to get together. So we've built a budget for each one of our remote employees, a $5,000 travel budget per year that they can use whenever they want for wherever they want, as long as they're using it to visit or collaborate with another team member. So I'm very excited about the reception it has gotten by our team. I'm very excited by the reception it's gotten by those who have read my LinkedIn posts and things like that. To me, it is just the start. It is a shift in the way in which I believe our culture is. Our culture is not about our core team at Raleigh headquarters and then everyone else, nor is it about each person individually, really. It really is about us collectively as a whole. So how do I ensure that the playing field gets leveled a little bit? That's one way to start and much more to come. How do we make sure that those who live in North Carolina who don't want to come into the office need a better place to work and be effective? How do we ensure that they truly take time off? Because we have unlimited PTO, by the way. And of course, 
huge. Everyone complains about unlimited PTO. Oh, it's so self-serving and all of that. How do I fight against that? Because I believe fundamentally unlimited PTO is the right thing. Heck yes. You fight against it by taking it, Greg. I think that's the answer. So you've got to be the change you want to see in your organization. So get out there and take more photos, right? At sporting events and go and hike like you do. You take these magnificent trips out into nature and you post about it, right? You're not shy about that at all. Yeah, thanks. I believe that it starts with me. My team needs to hear me say the words, please take the time you need. Please value your mental health, your balance. Please spend time with your kids. They're only getting older. Please spend time with your family. It's one thing for me to say that. It's far another to say it and then they see an email coming in from me at 1030 at night or on the weekend or the worst. I hate this. I know a lot of people do it. A lot of my friends and colleagues do it where they're like, I'm on vacation, but I'm just covering off a couple of emails from the beach. I hate it. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> agree, Take agree. your vacation. So I show that to them, right? But you know, this type of environment where you're thinking about where people work and you're trying to get them together is great for me because I believe in the hyper personalization of work. Like I think we get a better work product out of people when we design a unique experience for them. But again, a lot of people think it's expensive, right? And so I love the way that you're thinking about short-term costs versus long-term revenue generating opportunities or profitability, right? You're thinking long-term instead of short-term. That's what I'm hearing from you correct? It is. I think that there's kind of a dark side to that statement that I will throw out there and maybe I'm not interpreting it correctly. Because when I hear people say that, the next statement tends to be because it's cheaper to retain an employee than it is to hire a new one. Well, I would never say that because I don't think of people as commodities and I think your work is not your worth, but I think you're right. And you know, it begs the question, can you really operate a progressive people first organization in this moment we have of late stage capitalism? I mean, you're trying, you're trying to find that alternative way, but we don't necessarily know that people first practices lead to greater profitability. At this point, it's kind of unproven, but I love the fact that you're trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You're right. Do I have hard facts over generations to show that? No, of course not. But this is what innovation is about, right? Because going with the gut is what I'm going with. Why? Because I'm human and it makes me feel more human because it makes me feel good to know that my team feels valued. They feel balanced. And again, I hope I'm not painting a super rosy picture. We still have many, many challenges to overcome on an individual and a company way to make sure that those extremes don't fall into traps. But it feels right. And guess what? We are profitable. So it's not like we're making this these expenses and putting ourselves in a hole. We are already seeing the unit economics play out. How do we just ensure that we continue to value and prioritize the things that, in my opinion, matter, which is a third of our lives together, if not more? How do we ensure that it's worth it? that we love what we do and love the people we do it with. Life is way, way too short there. And we'll have team members who maybe that's too squishy for them and that's okay. But I believe it's my number one role as CEO to establish who we are as an organization and let other people self-select. Self-select in or self-select out, but don't be wishy-washy about it. Well, I love that. As we start to wrap up the conversation, I just wonder what's up for the rest of 2022 and 2023 for you as a leader. Like, what are you thinking about? What maybe is one of the problems you're trying to tackle? And where is 
Brooks Bell headed? Like what's new? What's exciting for your organization? Yeah. So we're doing some really interesting work now. So how we work with clients is um, really comes down to the idea of knowing more about your customers. We build insight-driven organizations. So what does that mean? I mean, it means that organizations have a better understanding of how to learn from their customers, their segments, their end users. And inevitably, that's what we do internally as well, is get a better understanding of what makes us tick and what makes us do the things that we enjoy doing. And we're seeing the market really susceptible to that. Companies have learned that brand affinity, for example, is very important. People very much have relationships with companies. How do you capitalize on that? Again, be empathetic, be understand the needs of humans, be real, help to navigate uh, all the unknowns. And, and that's what we help companies do. And, and we've seen some great success for that. Well, Greg, I'm glad your answer wasn't, we're doubling down on TikTok. <laughs> like, oh, you know? no, no. <laughs> Good, good for you. People who love TikTok, enjoy that. That. Just take that and run with it. Well, Greg, it was awesome to see you again and hang out. Thanks again for joining me on Punk Rock HR and talking a little bit about your COVID journey. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by the Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.